All right, that's going to wrap it up then. We're going to jump into a Q&A with the Kurt Locker. We've had him on before, but this time we have some specific questions going over some training methodologies, how you train, which is strongman, of course. So we're going to let you uh, really get into it with us tonight. Uh, first question we have for you is, how long have you been doing strongman? And then I guess like what your training looked like before that. Yeah, so uh, strongman, my first competition was in 2017 in Kentucky, Florence, Kentucky, looking up at the competition shirt right now. So I trained strongman for about three months, I think, before I, I did that competition. So at the time I was doing programming from Brian Allsrue, which if you've never heard of Brian, he's a absolute insane machine, but his programming was really tough as well. Like I remember wearing my heart rate monitor for that programming and it was absolutely insane, the level of effort I was putting out. So yeah, competed in 2017 in my first competition, competed as an amateur middleweight, and I won that competition. I also almost died during that competition because it was raining, but only during whenever I would go. So like <laughs> I would go and it would be pouring rain and then, you know, good job and sun comes out and then they wipe <laughs> everything off for the next guy. And I was like, what the hell? Like, so besides the rain, I, I still came out on top, but not by much. But yeah, so to answer your question, uh, 2017 is when I started. Now my training before that, I'm active duty military. So it was very active duty military. So I would run a lot. Then I would go to the gym. I would pick a piece of equipment that nobody was at. I would make sure nobody was watching me and then I would do stuff and then I would leave. So really, it, it really wasn't too pointed. It wasn't until 2015. So joined the, joined the military in 05. In 2015, I really started to get serious into specifically powerlifting. And I, my, my venture into powerlifting was actually in strength lifting with starting strength. And so I did starting strength linear progression. I did that for a while. Yeah, 2015 to 2017, ran some Texas method, discovered Brian Alzer's programming, and yeah, that's pretty much it. But before that, it was a lot of running, tons of running. Did I mention that I ran? <laughs> we would just run a lot. What a lot did of running. So unfortunately, in the middle, yeah, there you go. When I first joined, I weighed 160 pounds, 170 pounds, some something like that. I wasn't, I wasn't tiny, but I wasn't big. Very conditioned. I was actually pretty conditioned. I was pretty good at swimming pretty good at running, uh, pretty good at getting sprayed in the face with garden hoses, but not good enough. So ended up not doing that job, going into a different job. But yeah, uh, so one of the unfortunate parts of the service is that there's, there's a lot of very talented athletes in the service. And some of them will take the time to teach people how to get stronger. But more often than not, the fitness programs get delegated down to like the lowest ranking dude. And they're like, hey, dude, like plan PT. And they don't know what they're doing. So what they do is they're like, all right, cool. We're going to go run a 5K and then we're going to do some push-ups. So uh, unfortunately, and again, this is Curtis's opinion. I, I think that the Air Force fitness program is kind of a joke. And even within certain communities like my own, where fitness is highly emphasized, it's even then it's, it's a lot of, there's people that know things and getting them to pass on their information is really difficult either because they're unwilling or because they don't want to, because it takes effort or they just don't have time. But yeah. 
that's a whole different tirade. No, I've, I've heard a lot I of that. I should learn how to focus on I've the I've heard a lot of that, that as ask. well. Yeah, so it's interesting to hear from you as well. So you're doing Strongman now. Do you still have to do a lot of like running for your job currently? Do I run right now? No. So I, I really don't have to run too much right now. I do a lot of submaximal running. Lately, I've been doing a little bit of, it's, it's basically jogging, but running at about 75% of my heart rate reserve. And really the whole point of that is just to, you know, try to help keep my VO2 max at a, at a point that's acceptable in my eyes. Uh, I can't really afford to get huge and conditioning is still very important to strongmen. So I do sprint work, but as for like long, slow distance running, it's very low impact. And uh, I'm also getting older. So I'm only three years from retirement. And after that many years of running on roads and not being smart about it, your body starts to wear down. Yeah, I was going to ask if there's a benefit to distance-ish running when it comes to strongman, but you're saying it's more sprinting that you benefit from? Uh, so in my opinion, yes. So if you look at strongman events, they all happen uh, usually within 70 seconds. Uh, that's when you're going to be done. So especially your dynamic movement events, so anything that you're going to carry. So because we're talking about the 70 second kind of time frame, we're going to be in the ATP, PC, and the glycolytic system. So basically those first two systems. And when you're really training oxidative capacity, uh, for like long distance running, you're going to be going past, well past that 70 second mark. So if you look at specificity to strongman, unless you're trying to, to lose weight or you're trying to, to increase your VO2 max, uh, whatever you're trying to train, there's really not too much advantage to going for distance running. But in my opinion, there's a huge advantage to the athleticism that you gain when you train the glycolytic and ATP PC system for strongman and also being fast. So like, think about the athleticism required. I did a competition last year, I think it was like August timeframe, and there was a single finger and you had a single finger and you had to flip it five times or, you know, go to a competition prior to that. And there was a, like a 600 pound tire and you had to flip it five times. And in order to flip a Fingal's finger, you have to walk it up, throw it. Then you have to jump over the implement, sprint over to it, turn, get back down, pick it up, and do it again five times. Or, or for a tire flip again, five times fast. And it's really unique if you go to Iron Podium, which is kind of the, the single focal point for strongman scorekeeping in the yeah, United States Strongman and NAS federations. Uh, the split time differences between first place and second place are usually like hundreds of a second. So in the truck poll that I did in my last competition, I think I had third place. And yeah, I was third place and I got beat by, like we were all within two hundreds of a second. Ooh. So that's that's the level that you're really at, especially when you consider, so in NAS, the 105 kg class, which is monsters, like absolute talent. Uh, and then in the United States Strongman Federation, you have what I compete in, which is the 220 class, which I think is a 95 kilo class, if if math math is serving me well tonight. And uh, again, absolute monsters. And it's very athletic, very competitive. Tenths of a second absolutely matter. Okay. So when people watch Strongman and you're explaining these implements and things like that, like truck poles, finkle fingers, things like that, it's pretty intimidating. Do you have an, ar an argument for yes. why more people should do strongman? So absolutely. Uh, so one, anybody that's out there that's ever competed in any sort of event, so CrossFit, powerlifting, 
Uh, I've competed in events similar to those before. I've never like done an official CrossFit uh, sanctioned or an official USAPL, but I've been around those people and there are great people that exist within those cultures. But I can tell you that the strongman community is one of the coolest communities you'll ever be in because, so I recall several competitions that I won where the guy that I beat was yelling in my ear, like literally walked just right up to me while I was doing like a Conan's wheel. And the, my, my friend Brad was literally like, don't you dare put this down. Like, don't you dare let me beat you. And the guy that I beat was cheering me on. So as far as like community goes, it's super welcoming. It is super intimidating too. I recall like in 2017, that first competition I did, I don't think I warmed up on a single implement because like these guys are freaking strong, dude. Like some of these, these super heavyweights, they're like doing warm ups, and uh, you kind of have to like force your way in. And I guess when it's your first time, it feels like very unwelcoming, but really what it is, is it's a bunch of very welcoming people and, but they're also not going to tell you something you don't want to hear. So they're not going to like boss you around or, you know, be douchebags, I guess, but they are there to help you. So uh, for the intimidation part, if, if someone's interested and they want to like explore it, I would say go watch a competition and see what it's like. Hopefully you get lucky with a really good one. And to make the case for people to do it, I can tell you that if I'm near you and you need help moving, I am really good at getting really heavy things awkwardly into different like vehicles. Uh, there's a lot of just, so people talk about functional fitness and I kind of have a, mm. a trigger point for functional fitness because I think it's mostly a load of garbage. Functional fitness is something that you train that helps you with things that you do in everyday life. And I can tell you that learning how to use leverage to pick up any implement will have direct carryover to helping you move things around the house to, you know, moving a refrigerator, th those kind of things. It, it's, it is really handy. Plus it's really fun. And uh, it, it really is just an amazing community. Yeah. And, that, and that's, most I could go on. I could. Oh, I, I was just going to say, that's a really interesting thought. I've never really thought about that, but it does seem like more of the, strongman movements are more helpful to the everyday person than CrossFit. Absolutely. And, and plus, I'm telling you, it is so much fun and it's so rewarding. And it's a, it's not a very large community. So you get to know people. So like, I literally had a pro strongman in here like two days ago and we were BSing about equipment. He was actually, so I'm staring at the log I'm working on in front of me and he's interested in the log. And, but that's how cool that is, is that someone who's a professional level athlete, like just happens to live in Dayton and came and BS with me. And, uh, he actually gave me the sleeve extenders for that super long deadlift bar that I pulled off the other night. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. But I did. Yeah. Super small community. Super awesome. Would you say that most strong man want the sport to get larger or kind of stay how it is being relatively small. You know what? I don't know. So I'll tell you what I think. I can't speak for what other people think. I can tell you about my experiences though. And I think it needs to grow. 
And I think it has been growing significantly, uh, especially with the popularization of strong, World's Strongest Man. And Rogue has done an amazing job putting on some really cool implements at the Arnold for everybody to see every single year. Plus, you know, Rogue took over the World's Strongest Man implements as well. So I, I think it should grow. I think there's a lot of value to it growing. Really the only detractor from it growing is the last competition I did took forever because there was like a max log and any sort of max event takes forever because there's usually like two 400 pound dudes that are like, okay, which what's your third attempt? Cause this is my third attempt. Other than the competitions taking a little bit longer, I don't see any negative sides to it. Additionally, people that come into Strongman and they try to, I'm hopefully not estranging anybody, but trying to like crossfit it to where it's like, you know, oh, I'm going to host a Strongman event. And then the, the weights are so light that you end up doing like a thousand reps of something. Those people usually end up losing, you know, their ability to do sanctioned events. I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of advantages to it growing. I don't think there's really all that much disadvantage and it's a very welcoming environment. There are some out there that you're always going to have, you know, your your remote few, your niche few that hate people, I guess. I don't know. And they're never going to accept newcomers. But I think for the most part, it'd be a good thing for it to grow. And most people are picturing like the world's strongest men, like the 450 pound men. But what does your typical strong yep. man look like? Uh, so you're looking at a, I've qualified for nationals. I, I've started competing in 17. I qualified for nationals in 17, 18, and 19. And to, in late 2019, I had my shoulder surgery, which put me out. And then we had that whole pandemic thing. Uh, and so this year I'm hoping to qualify again. So I'm, I'm a nationals qualifying competitor in nice. United States Strongman Federation. It depends on your weight class, right? So the weight classes are very dispersed. So there's the, I'm going to talk United States Strongman first. So there's the 181 class, uh, which is the lightweight men's. And there's not many 181s. Additionally, unless I'm wrong, and I, I haven't looked this up, but I don't believe that there's a 181 pro card. So you can't be a pro strongman as a 181. The next weight class up in United States Strongman is the middleweight, which is 220, which is a 40 pound jump. However, they will sometimes, they'll split the gap. So that if you weigh 182 to 198 pounds, you compete as a middleweight man 198. And that's typically where I try to compete because I walk around every day at about 205. Now for this competition I'm doing on the 23rd, it is a 220 class. So I've done a lot of eating because obviously I don't want to walk in at 205 on a 220 competition. Body weight is your friend. Uh, so I weigh 220 right now. The next weight class up is 241. So again, a pretty significant jump. I might be wrong on these numbers too. I'm pretty sure I'm not though. After 241 is 280 and anything over 280 is called super heavyweight. Your, your big guys are big. Mm -hmm. Your little guys are like brick shithouse solid people. Like it's insane. The guy who won the competition in August was what, first off, legitimately a Navy SEAL. We became pretty good friends during the competition and uh, was just like a freak. It was so cool. It was, and it was just so cool to work with him. And that was his first show that he had ever done. So I coached him through stones. Like I co I, I taught him how to put uh, tacky on. I taught him how to do all that stuff. And then he crushed me. But it was really cool to see him operate. And he just looks like a normal dude. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I don't think a, a lot of people realize that they have weight classes. They they picture the the giants at four hundred pounds. They they don't realize you can walk in at what one eighty one and and compete in strongman. So they also have female classes as well. I can't believe I forgot to touch on that. The strongman, their strong woman competitions are really cool as well. So if you're a, a female looking to get into it, there's a couple really cool. So Fit Couple Idaho, I believe, is her Instagram handle. And she is a, I think she's a lightweight female. And she's strong as hell. She loaded like a two, I think she loaded a 297 pound stone. I don't know how high the load was, but a 297 and she probably weighs like a buck 50. Like that's cool. That is so cool. What does what your typical show look like? There's typically five events to a single day show. 40% of the events are typically overhead. So two out of the five events will usually be an overhead show. So what I'll do is I'll tell you guys about certain ones and I'll tell you about the one I'm about to do on the 23rd. So there's usually deadlift. There's typically a carry. There's typically two overhead events. And when I say deadlift, it doesn't have to be a deadlift, but like a, a deadlift type of event. And then there's usually uh, like stones or some sort of loading that occurs. Now the show I'm doing is really much more of a grip show. So it starts off with a max mammoth bar deadlift, which is a 10 foot deadlift bar, which is why I was using the, the sleeves the other day to get a little bit of specificity training in before the competition. How far in advance do you get to know what it's going to look like? So I knew about the Spring Strongman Classic. I signed up for this show just recently, but I had marked it as a target, a training target back in January. I started looking at it. So four months out. I can look all the way out, though, on Iron Podium into September. Now, new shows are popping up pretty frequently, so you have to check Iron Podium pretty frequently to, to see what the latest and the greatest is. But, yeah, you can know about it really far out or not so far out. Now, as for, like, mystery events, there is a couple shows that will do mystery events. The last one I did in Dayton, Kentucky, that one had a mystery event, and it ended up being the Fingal Fingers, so we didn't know which <laughs> mystery event it was going to be. But anyways, yeah, so this one is a uh, max mammoth bar deadlift starting at 475 pounds, circus dumbbell for reps with 125 pounds. And this, these are my weight class numbers, the Denny rings for time. So I was actually confused about this. I didn't know if it was a moving event. So the Denny rings are based off of the Denny stones over in UK. If you've seen, I believe Stoneland is the documentary from Rogue where it shows the Denny stones. They used to be counterweights for a crane and now people pick them up because why not? Uh, so 410 pounds for time, a keg press ladder starting from 50 pounds, going all the way up to 250 pounds, and then a Hercules hold with a very strange number of 125. I don't understand what 125 is referring to. So that's my mystery event. Okay. They all typically follow that pattern then with the picks, the poles, the yeah, carries. So usually it'll be two different types of overhead, typically a deadlift, a load, and some sort of carry. And awesome. from my understanding, they're usually relatively quick. I know you mentioned there might be like maxing out. Am I wrong that they're relatively quick? And then two, how do you feel at the end of an event? Are you dead tired? So I'm going to go with depends for both. Okay. So I've been, to, I've been to, I think the most efficient event that I've ever seen was actually one that I helped run after I had my shoulder surgery. And that one, I think we got through, I'm going to spitball at 40 competitors and we knocked it out in like six okay, hours. Okay, sorry. 
and that by was the by quick, I meant like each event. Like you're doing something, oh. it usually only takes a few seconds. Correct. So usually only takes a few seconds. So like think about how much time it takes you to pull a max deadlift. Right. So you'll you'll still have a timer. So it'll be like, hey, you get sixty seconds per attempt, and uh, there's different rules that come in. So let's say that it's like a, a log clean and press max. So you come in, you clean the log, you try to press it, and it comes back down to your chest. Most of the time in any competition, you're allowed to continue pressing. But on that event, there might be a rule that says that if you go to do an attempt and the log goes back to the floor, that your attempt is over. And typically, it's I think it's called Wessel's Rule in USS. And Wessel's Rule is you get three attempts at any sort of max event. And if you miss an attempt, you're done. So you don't get a second or third. But as for most... Most events they take, so a carry event, if you're actually drilling and practicing, you know, like a 50 foot farmers at a heavy load, think about your body weight per hand. It's probably gonna take you 20 seconds, 25 seconds if you're going a little bit slower. Uh, so yeah, everything is definitely very short. And because of that, it's also, it's not that it's a perfectionist sport, but you you really can't screw up. So I recall not remembering to get, I. I I was paying really close attention, but for some reason I missed the go command on the Finkel fingers in 2021. And because I missed the go command, I had to get it twice, but my time had started on the first one. So I was two seconds behind. And if you watch the video, this is what really sucks is if you watch the video, the difference in time from when they told me go to when I started and completed the event literally cost me from first all the way down to sixth. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely very fast and don't screw so when, Yeah, with that being said, are you more tired after a strongman event or like a good strongman workout that you do? Strongman workout is going to tax you a lot more, in my opinion, than a, a strongman competition right. will. Okay. Uh, there's been some competitions that I'm pretty gassed at. Those are the ones where... So some event organizers, there, there'll be a lot of outdoor events and it'll be an unusually hot day. And so if you don't bring your own cover, you're, you're basically, I guess you go wait in your car, you know, so you don't get cooked or you're like me and like find some place to like lay down. Like I think the last time I competed, I found a truck ramp that gave me shade throughout the entire day. And I basically just moved my gym bag to wherever there was shade in between events. But yeah, so no, not really tired after a comp. You definitely, you feel it. But nothing like a really heavy strongman yeah, session. Yeah, like a just a long feeling. day. Yeah, and I imagine like plus you're all amped up. Yeah, and just pulling like max loads for like twenty seconds at a time. I'm sure it's more like your central nervous system than like actual like muscle breakdown. Like maybe that next day just like worn down feeling. So the, the next day, uh, depending on so if, if it's a heavy heavy show, your uh, your posterior chain will probably feel a little fried. A lot of people, you know, say things like their CNS feels like it's a little bit down or needs some recovery. That's all pretty normal stuff. Um, but I also think that that's pretty typical for almost any sort of uh, competition style of uh, lifting. So CrossFit, powerlifting, uh, even with Olympic lifting, which is insane as far as like power output is concerned. Those, those things are definitely highly taxing on your body, but it, it doesn't, I've never competed and thought, oh my gosh, that was the worst thing ever. I never want to compete in strongman again. Never had, never even gotten close to that thought. 
yeah, I'm sure adrenaline plays a, a huge role too when it's like ready, set, go, and you got something yep. that's going to take you 20 seconds all out. You've talked about your training for strongman as well. It's I'm going to go ahead and just kind of like paraphrase what you've said before. You, you've got your block training, basically like general strength throughout the week. And then you have your strongman Saturdays. You started training others. And how's that been going? So with others, really where this started for me is I trained strongman completely isolated by myself. 20, we'll say late 2016 to 2018. When I got to Texas, I was super fortunate to fall into, it was a team called Chrono Strength. And I had an amazing three years competing with that, that strongman team. And we would have strongman Saturday. Uh, it wasn't always at my coach's house, but my coach had this amazing garage gym. I did a, I either did a tour of his garage gym or I showed his power rack being constructed. I can't remember which one it's on my YouTube. I think it was called like mega garage gym or something like that, but it's absolutely huge and it's wonderful. And I took a lot of inspiration from Mike Badalino and Chrono Strength. And when I came back here, I really wanted to try to work to kind of bridge the gap between people that think that strongman is this crazy, stupid sport and, you know, try to give those people maybe a little bit of taste to see if they get hooked. So I do have a very small team and it goes, basically goes up to like a couple athletes and then it drops down to zero. Uh, right now, I'm actually at zero athletes on the strongman team, but I call it the muscles and the muffin tops. And I am training a couple people, though. So I'm training two people for the garage gym competition. And to be clear, I am doing remote programming. I am not doing in-person coaching for those athletes. And then I do train a lot of the, the gentlemen that I work with in my shop. So I show up to morning PT and... I typically train at night. I just finished training when we started this this podcast. And uh, so during the morning, I'm able to focus on those guys and how I talked to earlier about how we, we tend to delegate those PT duties down to the lowest ranking person. And then people with the knowledge aren't spreading the knowledge. I'm trying to stop that and really try to focus people on their goals. And uh, that's been really rewarding, but also very challenging uh, because... People are very defensive about their training history and how they've trained. And so sometimes it's difficult to, to break bad habits. And a lot of times I'll work with someone for a little bit and they'll have like an epiphany moment when I'm working with them on their deadlift where, you know, this very strong athlete basically has like a bad setup and maybe their hips are rising. So they drop their hips before the deadlift because that's how they watch Brian Shaw deadlift. And he's a really good deadlifter. So why shouldn't I drop my hips, roll the bar out, roll the bar back towards me and then, you know, lift. And uh, usually I can work with athletes like that. When they have that epiphany moment, it's super rewarding because they go from having like a 200 pound deadlift to a 315. And their eyes kind of open up as far as their body's capability. And that's that's really where I get joy out of helping other people train. But as for remote stuff, uh, I, I enjoy the remote stuff to a point. Uh, it takes a lot of time doing remote stuff because you have to, you know, usually it's Instagram video. I'm watching Instagram videos, making comments, making adjustments, and you're not there in person. So you don't really get to see like the rate of perceived exertion that some of these athletes are putting out. Mm. Um, so you're kind of making some assumptions. So it takes a little bit of time to kind of, to gauge with, and then you send a text message or an instant message or whatever we're messaging with these days. For someone looking to to get into the sport and they're they're looking at programming, 
what would you make some like some suggestions on what they should look for out of their programming? So when you say out of your out of their programming, it, it seems like what you're saying is should they be focusing on strength, muscle, endurance? That is that what you what you mean, or do you mean like? what type of equipment you should be using. I kind of feel like when you're training for strongman, there's a lot of approaches that like a coach or a program could take. So if someone wants to get into strongman and they're looking for programs, what would you say they gotcha. should look for to get pointed in the right direction? So there's an absolutely amazing resource called Starting Strongman. And it's run by a gentleman named Cale Beck out of California. Uh, Cale Beck won... God, I want to say he won the Arnold Amateur. I want to say he was a, a 181. And when you see pictures of him when he was a one, he might have been something, a different weight class, but I swore he was like a, a, he's a shorter guy. But he has how to train strongman in a regular gym. And it doesn't involve the use of any strongman implements. Uh, there's a lot of substitutions you can make. And really, at the end of the day, if you're going to look for a program and you don't want to pay for something, you should focus on something that really builds your strength. So if if you think about it, uh, like a power building program is something that a lot of people might, you know, try to go towards. Something where you're doing core or primary lifts for sets of five, you know, sets of three to five, somewhere in that range to where you're developing muscular strength. And then your accessories, if that's something that you want to do, or maybe in more of like a three by 10, which is, in my opinion, more of a traditional, like a bro programming number. Yeah. I love that 10 to 12 number. It's fantastic for accessories. That, it's great for muscle hypertrophy. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying. Cool. All right. And then lastly, uh, do you have any uh, new equipment or projects that you'd love to talk about in regards to your home gym? So I'm always trying to do new things. And I, of course, love my home gym. I got off the phone today with Brian Hennessy. And Brian Hennessy owns the Henny, uh, which are these strap doohickeys that I seem to always have connected to a barbell. Uh, and he also owns Squat Max MD. And I get to train with him later this month. He's going to come down to my place. And so there's a squat max that's going to appear in my garage. And I'm very excited for that. I'm really excited for my stray dog bench. Uh, that should be coming up later this month. And I have, I have a couple DIYs. I don't necessarily think that my channel focuses too much on DIYs, but I want to use some of my capability to build uh, like a set of force plates. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, I'm trying to make scientific instruments on a budget. So force plates are these plates where you can do isometric contraction holds. So like you could do a mid thigh pull and it measures the, the amount of force that you're putting into the force plates. So the force plate doesn't actually move. It just measures how much strength you have. And what I want to do with that is I want to kind of play with it, right? So, you know, do like power-based training and do a very focused, maybe ground, ground contact time drill, uh, basically nerd stuff. And for context on my, my nerd stuff, I'm in a master's program for human performance with a focus in strength and conditioning. And it has been one of the coolest educational opportunities that I've ever had and I do truly mean that, and I'm very fascinated by the amazing body that we all have, and it really just increases my drive. So, as far as equipment, squat max, a bench, 
as I alluded to at the beginning of this podcast, I'm making an attempt to do a rogue free garage gym, which you guys would be surprised how tough that can be mm. because I find I have a list. I have an Excel sheet of all of my rogue stuff and I'm just going to sell it. And I keep finding more crap. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, for instance, uh, the little cannonball grips I have for the pull-up bar, they're rogue brand, <laughs> the, the strap that goes around the pull-up bar. And last night I was doing pull-ups and I looked at them and they're not on my list. And I because there's two problems. One, that means I need to find a substitution. And that's the goal is I'm trying to highlight those smaller niche companies. So like, instead of buying them from rogue fitness, maybe, I don't know. I actually haven't looked at all to see who, who else makes those straps. So whether it's going to be a DIY, uh, maybe I'll go ask Kyle if he knows any DIYs for it, or it's going to be a smaller company. But really, I'm trying to to bring my focus down to smaller, American-made. And uh, if you're veteran-owned, basically, that automatically gives you a leg up in my book. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, before we uh, end our conversation with you, can you give people your plug real quick? Oh, absolutely. So I am on Instagram at the underscore Kurt Locker. I'm actually a little bit disturbed at these other Kurt Lockers. I do direct message them and tell them that they cannot have my name <laughs> because I am the only bomb technician named Kurt. So they have no business being called Kurt Locker, but that's a different story. So the KurtLocker.com, all one word, uh, has just, I'm starting to write articles and me strongman, me no code, me just type. <laughs> my wife helped me code website bad looking <laughs> have good info uh where else gosh so i have a, a tic tac now i say it incorrectly on purpose because i don't respect it <laughs> because i don't respect uh, it don't, that's my favorite don't find me on TikTok. that is that that flat platform pisses me off to no end so you know what actually if you have tic tac delete it because um, <laughs> it's garbage uh, and, and other than that, so a plug I keep on forgetting to say is I am on the Home Gym Discord server, and I am very, very rarely on the Home Gym Reddit. I don't like Reddit. I'm one of those nerds that doesn't like Reddit. But yeah, the Home Gym Discord, I'm on there, and I do a daily search for Kurt or Kurt Locker to find out where people are talking. Uh, and usually it's like, oh, Kurt has that, and then I'll chime in and be like, oh, yeah, so I have that. So I'm on the Discord server as well. If you don't have the Home Gym Discord, absolutely amazing resource. And talk about passionate garage gym and home gym owners. Holy smokes. You want opinions? They got them. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Curtis, for tonight. That's going to do it for us, guys. Uh, did you like tonight's episode? Be sure to keep your eye out for new episode releases wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay involved on our social media sites by following Garage Gym Experiment and taking part in our Sunday surveys on Instagram so that you can be part of the conversation. Like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and get involved in our website for all your home gym content needs. Jake, the question of the day is, do you have anything else for the listeners? No. No, it is. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.